We welcome you this morning again. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. And we will begin in verse uh, 11. There, beholding and reading God's Word there. Hear then the Word of the Lord. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life. Because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this uh, we know love. That he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. And may God then add His blessing to the reading of His Word. Pray with me for just a moment. Father, we uh, pray that You would build Your church in very unsettled times. That, Father, Your people would grow in the grace and knowledge of who You are all the more as they see the way of the world pressing in. We pray that You would build Your church and cause us to remember the words of our Lord. Upon this rock, I will build My church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Lord, we pray that uh, You would ever more help us to grow in our love for You, the things of our God and His Word, and love for His people and His church. For Father, in the final analysis, the only entity that will survive in that day of His coming will be the church, whom He will take home to be with Himself. Lord, we pray that You would speak to our hearts. And Lord, if we love You and are trusting in You as our Savior, Build us up in the most holy faith. And Lord, help us to devote ourselves to You and to Your people in these days. Father, watch over Your people. 
Guide and direct us, for we know that your providential hand is upon us to do both will and your good pleasure. We are thankful for that, that we belong to you, that we are in your hands and not the world's. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The past year and a half has been um, very interesting, to say the least. One of the things that has um, come out of that is a newfound appreciation for the Lord's church, the bride of Christ, uh, his body uh, of believers. Another thing that I have seen within the context of our culture is uh, the viciousness and the sinfulness of mankind. Have you noticed that? All the publicity and all that's been expressed, I'm, I'm amazed. I'm amazed at man's uh, conduct and sin. It's, it's quite interesting. It uh, reinforces the reality that sin is very real and that Christians as believers, we have to be very careful of, of our own attitudes and hearts. Have you found your heart over the last year and a half struggling with some of that? Even saying, Lord, I, I don't like this. I don't want this. I don't agree with this. Or however you've expressed uh, what you feel in your heart about all that has taken place. Uh, it is certainly a spiritual battle. Um, I've been impressed with that too. Not only the sinfulness of man and its depth of man's depravity, but um, just very interesting how how deep all of this goes as a moral climate. I think in the light of that backdrop, uh, I pray for the life of Christ's church in these days. Uh, that I know it seems awful elementary, but that we will be who God has called us to be and called us to be unto Himself. I hope that we will not um, allow the world to dictate to us who we are. Uh, we as believers already know who we are, don't we? We don't need definitions from government and we don't need definitions from social groups. We need to honor the Lord who purchased us with His own blood and be the people that He has called us to be. In this particular passage... Um, the essential characteristic that God has called His people to express and to manifest uh, is love. He says it three or four times just in this passage and throughout the book of 1 John, He repeats it a number of times that um, you are to love one another. I was thinking about John 13, a new commandment I give you, Jesus said, that you love one another just as I have loved you. Think about the ground of that call to love. A new command I give you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Uh, Peter is speaking in this passage that we read this morning 
to his people in the church who are struggling with the world's ways. They are being persecuted uh, quite succinctly and clearly. And it is, um, it is a situation in which uh, the Apostle Peter calls them um, to remember who they are and to live accordingly even in the context of that opposition and that resistance. And he encourages them in the reality of who they are. You are a holy priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own choosing. He reminds them at the outset of Peter of who they are in Christ. And I would remind you in these days of who you are as the church and call you to be characterized by that one distinct characteristic of love for one another in the Lord. These passages are being spoken to the church, not to the world. The world is in the Lord's hands, and we know that for all time. But, dear friends, you as the church are called uh, to be who He's called you to be in these days. And we are compelled to obey that command to love one another. Now, the concept of love that the world has is sometimes a bit different than what the Christian understands love to be. Uh, The world defines love if it makes me feel good or if it makes me happy or if it uh, serves my purpose. um, Whatever makes me happy is is love. And, And I want to say that that is not the biblical definition of love, that it, it is a feeling, by the way, but it is not just a feeling. It's a feeling rooted in the truth of Christ. To know true love uh, is to know Christ. To know the kind of love, it's very interesting that when he compels us and encourages us to love one another as the church, um, the very example that he gives to us and compels us is not just a command to obey, which he does give, that you are to love one another. And I would suppose that would be sufficient if it is in God's Word to be called to love one another, that we ought to take that seriously and uh, we ought to be constrained to love. But do you realize that uh, God has, uh, in His grace, has given us a deeper picture of of really what love is. Uh, we, do you know the little verse? We love, we love because what? We love because He first loved us. So how, how do we know what love is? Well, we know what love is by knowing Christ. And do you know the very example of Christ's love for us is given to us as an extra foundation to put the exclamation on point on the fact that we ought, as the church of Jesus Christ, to love one another. It is the basis of His own example to us by the giving of Himself. Did you know that our Lord Jesus Christ, the very King of heaven, looked not out for His own interest, but He humbled Himself he humbled himself and he looked out for your interest 
and gave His life, even shed His own blood for you. And not only in in that is salvation, but dear friends, that very example of humility, of turning aside from His own interest, He has left you an example, Peter says, what? To follow in His steps. My dear friends, how do we know one is a Christian? That's a big question today. I'm sure if you went out on the street and asked folk if they were Christians, they would probably say what? Yes, but if you got right down into the depths of it, uh, uh, probably many probably would not really be Christians. They would just presume that they are Christians by history or by example or by association, by being a member of the church. Um, I think that uh, that's wonderful. You know, as John writes, John writes and he says this uh, in his Gospel of John at the end of it. He said, and many other things Jesus did which are not written in this book. (laughs) But these have been written in order that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and that believing on Him you might have life. Don't you love that? John just explicitly expresses what the purpose is. And then when there's a little change in in 1 John, where he deals with the same themes of salvation and the Son of God and uh, the glory of the Lord and His redemption. But he comes to 1 John chapter 5 and verse 13 in his letter, and he says, little children... Speaking to his, I love that, little children, I write these things unto you who believe. Ah, did you hear the switch? John, I write these things in order that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and that believing on his name you might have life. But First John, he says in verse 13 of chapter 5, little children, I write these things unto you who believe in order that you may know that you are a Christian. And uh, my dear friends, there are certain tests that John lays out for us in his letter. He has dealt with a, a number of them. Number one, he has said what? That one of the tests of the faith is what we believe. Do we believe in Jesus Christ to be the Son of God and the Savior of sinners? And have we put our faith and trust in Him alone for salvation is offered in the Gospel? Do we acknowledge ourselves to be a sinner in the sight of God? And uh, John says... Listen, this is one of the keys of understanding and knowing whether you are a believer or not. What do you believe about Christ Himself? You see, do you believe Him to be the Son of God? Um, He goes on at one point and says that uh, he who denies the bodily resurrection of Christ has not the truth in him. He who denies the bodily resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ does not have the truth. In him, and um, there there are many up. He he um, he who does not love his brother. How can he say that the love of God is is in him? So uh, John brings together these kind of uh, inclinations. What do you believe about Christ? It's a good test. What you believe about him. The other one is uh, the constant call to righteousness. 
Do we see not only the characteristic of believing those things that are presented about Christ in His Word and in the Gospel, but do we see a transformed life in our own heart of pursuing righteousness? Is there a desire within us to be pleasing unto the Lord? And the Apostle tells us that, um, that listen, uh, if you don't see evidence of a desire for holiness and righteousness and to honor the Lord in your life, uh, it may very well be uh, that you may be deceiving yourself that you're a Christian. Is it your desire to honor Him with your life in terms of the way that you live? But the last one is uh, has a social implication. And it says, uh, this is how you know that God is at work in you, that if you have love, for what? If you have love, one for another. This is how you know. This is how you know that God is at work in you and has redeemed you. What is it that Lonnie believes about Christ? His Word. Is it in line? with what God has revealed? What about Lonnie's life in terms of the pursuit of righteousness and holiness? Is it my heart's desire to honor Him? I don't know about you, but one of the greatest struggles that you will ever have is with sin after you become a Christian. <laughs> did, you, did you know that? Because the, the, the work of God in you is a desire to honor Him. And He heightens your conscience to, to the reality uh, that this is not pleasing to God. He, he speaks to, to your heart by His Spirit and guides you. And aren't you glad that there is still something called a conscience? Did you know that it is to the church of Jesus Christ that the Spirit has been given? The Spirit of conviction. The Spirit of truth. So therefore, God speaks to His people. He speaks to our conscience. And I think one of my favorite passages, it's not always in the delight of, of my behavior and life sometimes, but the Apostle Paul says, the very things that I ought to do, <laughs> those are the things that I ought not to do. And the very things that I ought to do, <laughs> those are the very things that I don't do. Oh, wretched man! Who will deliver me from this bondage of the flesh? Pause. Thank God. It almost if God stops him, reminds him by the Spirit. Thank God the victory is in the Lord Jesus Christ. So when you go down that path <laughs> with the Apostle Paul <laughs> and you struggle with this world, and man, I tell you, the last year and a half, I have struggled with this world. My heart is um, risen with, with anger at what I see in the lives of people. And you see then John uh, here says, Don't be like Cain who killed his brother. And, and you see the point there was that Cain and Abel were two brothers. They were brothers. They, they were of the same human flesh. But, but Cain, as a brother, kills Abel. He kills him. And, and 
the scriptures give you a direct um, reason why that happened. Why did it happen? The Lord God says in His Word that, under the inspiration by John, it says, well, they were, two from, they were from the same human family, but they were from a different spiritual family. You see, Cain was of his, of his family the devil, of the evil one. And how do we know that? Because his deeds were evil. You see, the life that we live is manifest one way or the other spiritually. True? True or false? It doesn't take long for a person to know who you are spiritually. All they've got to do is listen to you. All they've got to do is observe your conduct. All they've got to do is ask you what you believe. And it won't take very long before we know whether you are of Cain or you are of Abel. So it does us good to pay attention to God's command for us to love one another as the church. Remember that this command is not given to the world. Who is it given to? The church of His Son. It is given to you to be different. It is given to you not to be as concerned about what the world is doing, but He's concerned about who you are as His child. That should make the difference in the way we live at the present time. Ask God to help you with uh, your righteous indignation. I always thought about Lot, that uh, he was in Sodom and Gomorrah. And what, what did it say? And uh, righteous, uh, righteous Lot's soul was vexed. <laughs> Now that's a that's a funny word, vexed. <laughs> but he was perturbed. He he was upset. He was bothered by what was around him. And what did God do? Was it and and we get maybe bothered about this, but what I say to you is was it not God that intervened? The Lord hears the prayers of His children and His church. Make no mistake. The Lord hears the prayers of His children. I remember Egypt. The prayers of my children in Egypt have come up to my ears. And I'm going down to see them and deliver them. Um, Abraham is sitting in the front of his tent and there are three that come. Where are you going? Well, we're going down. We're going down to Sodom and Gomorrah to see the situation for ourselves. Before all that happens, what happens? God calls his children out. Lot, get your things together and get your family and your possessions and all that you have and get ready. Because we're leaving. Don't look back. I'm coming more and more to the position 
of the last year and a half that by God's grace I'm not going to look back. I'm going to look forward to heaven. I'm going to look forward to the Lord's hand and His promises for our lives as the church. I'm going to let that be my guide, not that. Do we hear, church? Who has God called you to be? He's called you to be distinct. He's called you to be particular. He's called you to be unusual people (laughs) for the time. He's called you to act differently and live differently according to another standard. That's His standard. Dear friends, don't let let the world... One Christian came and, boy, just really vented. I'm so angry. I'm so mad that this and that. I'm mad about that. And, and I thought to myself, why, why should we as Christians let the world dictate to us our spirituality and our responses to a moral world? Christ has already told us how to respond to a moral world. We don't have to overreact. We need to be the church of our Lord now as never before. Someone says, well, you know, the gospel is kind of an archaic. Listen, my dear friends, I believe that the gospel is more relevant today than it's ever been in the history of mankind. I believe that it is active and I believe it is needed and I believe that the church is called to maintain who God has called them to be as His people. And I pray that God will grant you grace to love one another. Because it will not be by revolution. It will not be force of exchanging one form of racism for another. Oh, did I say that? (laughs) Oh, I shouldn't have said that. But it's true, isn't it? Listen, sin plus sin doesn't equal right. Listen to the formula again. Sin plus sin does not equal right or righteousness. My dear friends, the only way that sin has sufficiently been dealt with is through the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior of mankind. And don't you think that that message is is a message that the world needs to hear today as never before? We need to trust Christ as even His people. Some of us have been somewhat at times wishy-washy and... uh, uh, semi, semi-committed. I don't know how to describe the forms of some Christianity as we now know it, but my dear friends, we live in a day and time where I think we need to shore up the ship and ask God to be with us and grant us grace and that our life would count for Him in the church. Live the rest of your life. We can't go back and change the past. I've not always been faithful to the Lord in, in many ways not taking it fully in the way that I should. But I tell you what, from this day forward you can live for Christ, can't you? Can't you hear the, the need for us to be committed Christians to His church? Churches should be full today. But many of them are not full because... We have already acquiesced in many ways to the world. And God will not bless that. But God will bless His children who desire and seek to be faithful to Him. And I pray that no matter what, 
Hold your church accountable to the standard of Christ. Amen? Defend Christ and His honor. Don't be ashamed of Christ when you go out into the community. What does John tell them here? Cain, the spirit of Cain is in the world. And the spirit of Cain desires to do away with Abel. And that spirit continues. And that's the spirit that you're going to get from the world. And you need to anticipate it and be ready. But we are called not to reciprocate evil for evil. But what is what are we called to in Scripture? We are to, brothers, get not your own revenge, Paul says, but what? Leave room for the vengeance of God. Do not, do not seek to destroy evil by evil, but what? Reciprocate evil with, with good. Remember who God has called you to be. And live it out right where you are. Be faithful to Christ. Humble yourself before Him. Because, I, dear, dear friends, listen, God is opposed to the, to the proud. And I, I keep hearing that over and over again from the world. Pride this and pride that. And you've got to be number one. I do. I, I hear that all the time from, from the world's answer of what we should be. And no, the church has not been called to do that. We have been called to follow Christ who humbled Himself for our sakes and said to us, just as I have loved you, so you love one another. That's the life that He has called us to. Regardless of what the world thinks. <laughs> it doesn't matter what the world thinks. But it matters to the Lord how you live your life. This passage is, uh, is quite a passage, isn't it? For well, this is the message that you've heard from the beginning. That we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his deeds, his own deeds were evil and his brothers righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. We have passed out of death into life. How does the world know? Because we love the brothers. How can a person say that he loves God and hates his brother? He is a liar, and the truth is not in him. My dear friends, if we choose another route other than the way of Christ, isn't it interesting in Christ that the, with Christ, the way up is the way down <laughs> to live that kind of life? And, and the way up is the way down. The way down is the way up. So it's interesting to know that... Uh, Christ has called you to live a different way of life for His sake. We know that we have passed out of death unto life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love 
whoever does not love abides in death. Would you say that that's a pretty important statement about the characteristic of being a Christian? Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love. By this we know love. That he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our life for one another. But if anyone has the world's goods sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Notice how practical then the love of Christ, not only in humility and rooted in salvation by the example of the Lord himself to you, but also another way in which we know that God is at work in us is what kind of heart does he give to us toward our brothers and toward those around us in need? One of the things I can say about the life church here is that you do have a heart for those around you. You do have a heart for one another. And I, I, do, you know, do you know it's an evidence? Do you know it's an evidence? It's an indication that the love of Christ is really, is really at work. Do people see it in your life? Do they see it in the pastor's life? If they don't see it, my dear friends, there may be something seriously wrong spiritually. Do they see it in you? What is your attitude toward your brothers and sisters in Christ? But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. We know that there is more to God than simply His love. We know there's His justice, there's His mercy, His grace. But our dear, friend, our dear friends, uh, faith, hope, and love, and listen, the greatest of these, the greatest of these is love. This morning, does our Lord see it in us? Is that a valid question? May the Lord be with you. May you honor all men. May you fear God. But may you love the brotherhood. And so fulfill the command and will of God for the church. May the Lord be with you. May that which you do and act upon, may it be done in love, not in destruction, not in the world's way. May the Lord be with you. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word in First John. Father, we know that uh, the grace of our God in our life has manifest evidence in us. And Lord, we see uh, your work in us through these things that John 
opens? Do we have a desire for the truth? What is it that we believe about Christ? Or do we see holiness and righteousness at work in our life and a desire for it? Father, what about our relationship with each other in Christ? Do we see the honor of Christ and the love for God in relationship with one another? Lord, we pray that you would guide us by your Spirit as the church. Direct us in all things uh, as you have uh, done so even to this day. Help us to walk with you in this world as your people. We know that, uh, Lord, we, uh, we are your people, the sheep of your pasture. We have been bought with a price. Father, help us to remember who we are in you and live accordingly. In Jesus' name I pray.